Hello, and welcome to the Ringgold Band podcast series, Sustaining an American Music Tradition. My name is Cindy Miller-Unks, president of the band, and with me is... Jim Seidel, the musical director of the band. We have been focusing on Jim uh, in several of our podcasts, and uh, the reason is he has... Um, provided such a legacy for the Ringgold Band. He has celebrated 50 years with the band. And um, we want to talk to him today about how you were, um, h- how you came to your expertise in programming for concerts. For an example, you probably don't like to be reminded of this, but I remember That's when okay. I first when I first started playing with the band that um, basically we'd play the same summer program, the same concert every every program. The marches might change, but at um, at the different churches, it would be the same overture each summer. You know, the same uh, Broadway hits, and now. We never play the same concert in a row. No, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Well, when I inherited the band and and my uh, actually before, you know, when I started playing with the band as as a mere teenager, we did play a lot of the same stuff week after week after week. There might be one new piece thrown in from one weekend concert to the next, and and sometimes that was okay, but. I, I think that's boring to the musicians to play the same thing, and they put themselves on autopilot. Uh, I've often questioned what motivates the people who play Broadway shows for the same show year after year. Yes, and you know that's that's a whole other topic. But I I didn't want it to become stale as mm-hmm. I became the director. But I also realized with as I mentioned in an earlier podcast when we had fewer people at rehearsals, there was an an uncomfort on my part that we only had a handful of people at rehearsal and I had to hire people from outside the band to just come in and play and to change, make all these changes would be was a scary thought that we would have so many train wrecks and that would do more damage to the reputation <laughs> of and the legacy band. of the band than it would do good just to change things. So you sort of get caught in that rut mm-hmm. and <clears throat> as... As the membership grew and the stability came with the rehearsal hall and uh, <clears throat> a lot of good things in the early 80s hap- began to happen, I started to try to rethink how to do this. And we still ended up, you know, I'd start out with really good intentions. <laughs> yes. And, and with all good intentions, sometimes you fall off the wagon a little bit and take the easier route because of time or you know, I could make excuses all day. It's just I didn't force myself and the band to move in a different direction. And I sort of let it find its own way. And <clears throat> I mentioned the influence of other other people, uh, Keith Bryant, Tim Foley, Michelle Rockers. And actually, it was looking back at old programs of the Ringgold Band that made me realize there's such a wealth of music out there. And this band played a wealth of music. And we need to do that. Right. And, and we have such an extensive library. Exactly I mean. <laughs> right. And and we and I have not been through that entire library. So I I I started to put myself in the place of sitting in the chair as a player first. What would excite me at rehearsal? Mm-hmm. And and that would be 
is there, is there something we're doing at rehearsal that's a real challenge that will make me sit up on the edge of my chair? And is there a piece there that I can just sit and coast through and play it well <laughs> right. without having it beat to death into me? Mm-hmm. And, and I started to find that there's that balance from a player's perspective of being totally challenged and, and really not challenged. Now, that's the technical side of it. What has to happen is you, uh, the audience members, can't tell which is which. <laughs> yes. Because if, if you look at the programs, then I would sit and think about what my father would say when he would listen to the Ringgold Band. Mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> my wife uh, becomes very brutally honest at a performance of the Ringgold Band, to me, not publicly. But she would tell me what she really liked to listen to. And she would, and then your husband, Ed. My hu- I was just going who, to say. <laughs> Ed, Ed, is, Ed is the <laughs> ultimate critic that I needed. He, he would just say, man, you knocked it out of the park today. The program, it just went like this. But I'm thinking about why did he say that? Well, uh, Ed and my wife, Wendy, would watch the people in the audience and they watch their reaction. And you as a conductor, when the applause is a little more vibrant, you know they liked it. Right. If you get that very polite applause, you could say, mm, you might put that one away. Right. <laughs> or, or try it at a different place with some tweaking. Uh, and that sometimes has happened. <clears throat> but then you have to think like the audience. What do they want to hear? And... Uh, I love playing those old time overtures. I absolutely love oh, them. Oh, I do too. <laughs> I, I've come to love them. I didn't know them before I started yeah, playing. They're meaty. The they're band. a challenge for the band. And the audiences love them. And, and they were such a part of the history of bands in America that they should be played. People love marches, but they don't love eight or ten of them in, in right. a two-hour concert. Right. N- and most band members don't want to play eight or ten of them on a band concert, but they will gladly play a few of them, but play them well. And the marches, they all have their own style. And when we figured out what that, when I figured out how that was different right, and still learning because there are so many out there, then you start getting a blend of how to put a program together. And, you know, sometimes... This is, this is my mind speaking, and I hope you folks who are listening don't realize when this happens. But there's a piece that you're, it's a new piece that you've never done in public. I always sort of make a sandwich out of it. It's the meat of the sandwich. Right. But I put that good gourmet bread around it. <laughs> That's things, right. things that the audience will be familiar with, that they would love to hear. And that way, if it has a little less success, you're giving them something right away that they enjoy. Well, who was it? Was it actually Sousa that uh, you tried to emulate when you say everybody should leave the concert really thrilled about hearing something? Exactly so, right. Like being able to. is that Was that Sousa? You, that was, you yeah, Sousa, Sousa was a master mm-hmm. of, of programming. And he knew what people wanted to hear. And he... You know, he'd have a printed program, but he would make no bones about substituting something he thought that would please them more than what he was going to do next. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you folks get caught in that at times where <laughs> I will just shift a gear. Sometimes it's unintentional. Right. I, I didn't look down the list and I announced something that was two pieces down 
and you have learned to graciously just make the change and like nothing happened. <laughs> but uh, the the key really is to balance the program out that the musicians are happy about everything they're playing and the audience enjoys everything you're playing. And for me as the conductor to realize everyone sitting on the stage as a performer will play it, but they don't necessarily like everything. And the audience, I know for a fact, doesn't like everything that we play. But it is important that they can go home and say they heard a really great concert with such great variety of music. And that's something the concert band can do. It has the ability to do Broadway, to do a march, to do an old-time overture, to do a contemporary piece, something that's new. But people like to hear things that have a good tune that they can whistle when they go home. That's right. I think, um, you know, we all understand how you program differently for different venues. But um, how sometimes um, audience members will say, oh, what's the difference between going to a church picnic concert and um, our spring, our our fundraising concerts, which are our fall dinner concert and our spring concert? What is the the different focus there? Well, the different focus there is when you're playing in in the Scottish Rite uh, Auditorium, you have the, the acoustical sound around you. And... First of all, we can use the full ensemble. We can use a large ensemble, which opens up the doors to do some more meatier kind of things that is really great music. And and we work at really bringing out the meat that's in those pieces and bring that music to a higher level. They're pieces that you wouldn't do at a Hill Church picnic (laughs) uh, because you don't have the acoustical benefit that you would have in an auditorium and you don't have the complement of players that you have there you know many of the time places that we play in the summertime in outdoor concerts logistically we can't have 50 people play there's just not enough room and so, and i don't think people realize that that we don't always go out with the full band right and we that, <laughs> we can't do that we just can't do that so you have to program things that you can do well with less people and that was something that I had to learn the hard way you know you get out on a job and you realize you don't have an oboe and all of a sudden here comes an oboe solo and you weren't prepared for it (laughs) yes it's like okay whoever has the oboe cues (laughs) yeah and that's that's something that's really to be considered so that's what my thought process is it it has it's that fine line and I think on both sides of the stick Mm -hmm. you know one from the players one from the audience. And there are things that I conduct that I really don't want to do. But I know that the audience would like to hear that. Or I know a band member would like to play it. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's what you have to do. And the flexibility of my mind. Not the, not the wandering all over the place. The flexibility <laughs> to do these different things. Well, makes it exciting. And certainly as a player. You know, put aside the, you know, the the office or whatever but as a player it has become more exciting more more interesting to play when when we play different things all the time and when uh, when um every rehearsal we're 
pulling something different out. So thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on that. And um, please check us out at www.ringgoldband.com. We have a full summer of concerts scheduled and come out and hear some of these well-organized programs. And we have two new CDs that are just being released this week. That's right. One that was long overdue was from our last spring concert and uh, the one of the uh, great celebration that the band bestowed upon me. Um, and we also this, have a DVD of that concert, which um, which we'll the, talk about soon. And, <laughs> All right. So thanks for listening. This is Cindy Miller-Angst and Jim Seidel. And to our next podcast, have a great day.